0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Project HR, a podcast dedicated to building better workplaces. Project HR is brought to you by Projections, an IRI company. IRI helps organizations navigate workplace challenges, improve employee engagement and productivity, manage labor relations, and implement effective communication strategies to achieve their goals. For more information, you can visit Projections online at projectionsinc.com and IRI at iriconsultants.com. I am Jennifer Oroquois, Director of Business Development for IRI and your host for today's episode of Project HR. When a disruptive event occurs in our workplace, be it a natural disaster, a labor strike, or even a pandemic, whenever it ends, life goes on, work goes on, but those events don't occur without negatively impacting your workforce in some way. And it's only through acknowledgement of the crisis and processing its effects that we can envision an eventual return to normal and truly begin to rebuild relationships. Today, my guests are Carol Hutchins, Labor Communications and Organizational Development Consultant, and Sam Hutchins, Organizational Development Consultant, both with IRI Consultants. Sam and Carol are both skilled in restorative work, and they're here today to provide us with some guidance on this process. Carol, Sam, thank you so much for joining me here on Project Atar.
1: Thank
2: Great you. Great to be here.
0: So let's start by defining what restoration is.
1: So restoration is a process to promote good health amongst employees. The intent on this is to have them become reinvested in their organization, and that then yields more of a renewal to the organization. So this includes things like mental health, well-being, and their engagement. Uh, we know that when employees are engaged and feeling a sense of good health, that then the organization is likely to be healthy as well.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. So what are some
0: underlying trends in the workforce that are prompting the need for restorative work?
2: Yeah, there, there are several. Um, I also think it's really helpful to back up a little bit pre-pandemic. And so one of, one of the things we know, there have been several different things in the past 20, 30 years that have really affected the workforce. One is that we know uh, people's social relationships have actually shrunk. Um, so, you know, between, between the eighties and the early two thousands, um, people who, with whom they had, uh, people who they could share something meaningful with that number decreased by about 30%. Hmm. And so, and also thinking the number of people who have nobody to share something meaningful with, is about at 25% and this was in the early 2000s and so um, un- unfortunately where we are right now things haven't really gotten better and i know if we if we would survey the landscape of social relationships if things have improved um, and so then you then you bring in social media uh, and the internet and those those effects and then you put in the pandemic and there's a great isolation for everybody at the. That's the way it starts, uh, and then all of the all of the effects of that. And so where we are right now is that people really lack relationships uh, in general. But then, how does that affect then the workforce? And and also, I mean, there's just astounding statistics on this. One of them is that. The average, and this depends on industry, some, but people spend about two hours a day on social media at work, hmm. and so, so people are looking for connection, but not finding it in a meaningful way, and so, in terms of the need for restorative work, the need for these conversations, uh, it, it 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 is incredibly apparent if you if you look at through the lens of how things have developed to where we are today.
0: So based on that, like let's just take that as our baseline, where, where people are feeling more isolated, less connected. So what kind of events typically need restorative work?
1: We can look at, as Sam mentioned, the effects of COVID and what's happened during the course of this pandemic. We know that there has been Uh, A lot of turnover in many organizations, especially when it's leadership that uh, is exiting organizations and it causes this this unstableness and people withdrawing because of, of trying to establish a trusting relationship with new leaders that can be very triggering for people. We also know, in the context of uh, labor events, so whether it's pre-petition or post-petition, post-election, uh, during, or even after a strike, these are all triggering events for people because it starts to poke at the stability of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when that starts to become something that is negatively impacted, people start either withdrawing and, um, as Sam noted, going to social media or disengaging in their work and having Mm -hmm. a lack of interest in that connection. So in the aftermath
0: of a crisis event, you know, we were talking about how people are already disconnected. Is this kind of work automatically needed or can some teams carry on without guidance?
2: I have a question to your question. Are you familiar yeah. with Kintsugi? No. Okay. Wonderful. Um, Kintsugi <laughs> is the, uh, it's a Japanese art that they take broken pottery oh,
0: and, mm-hmm, put, mm-hmm.
2: and put it back together with gold.
0: Yes. Yes, I am familiar. I just didn't know the word.
2: (laughs) Okay, yes. (laughs) So in terms of the aftermath of the crisis, that is the most appropriate metaphor for this kind of work. And looking at it, you know that that is not a simple process, Hmm. right? And so it's labor intensive. It's it's delicate. um, It's obviously very artful. And so, in the aftermath of a crisis, is this work automatically needed? Yes, if if you want to, if you want to find a replacement pottery, people can do that. You can replace it. If you want to build back what has been broken in a way that's arguably more beautiful, if that's a term, or more engaged as it applies to the workforce, then then this kind of work is. Is needed and 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 thinking, the response in crisis that we have is not always great. We behave in ways that maybe probably astound ourselves sometimes, mm-hmm. and and one of the most common, especially now, is isolation. If you talk with leaders, talk with employees, one of the most common experiences is isolation, mm-hmm. and so this work addresses the crisis but also addresses this deep this pervasive sense of isolation that people feel which then leads to more problems it leads to having a neg- negative filtering events of others it just it just expands from there and so so there really is great benefit to to having some guidance having some some outside support
0: so are there signs that we as leaders can look out for to indicate a need for assistance?
1: Definitely. And I'll I'll answer that by telling you things that are likely to decrease and then things that will increase. So some of the things that decrease are productivity, retention, morale. We can see a decrease in motivation or energy levels. And when they become apparent, even people's health and their ability to trust. Then on the other side of that is what increases. And those are things like absenteeism. We sometimes can see some interpersonal conflicts and people starting to feel indifferent. And also when people are willing to be transparent the conflicts in their personal life that then spill over into the workforce and or into the workplace so on both sides of that there's very distinctive signs that that leaders can see
0: So, I think there's a tendency that we all have after a crisis to just kind of carry on as if nothing happened and not look back. So, what are the dangers of not engaging in this kind of restorative work after a crisis?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And I, you know, I'm compelled to give two examples of of what has happened when people do engage in the restorative process as a way of asking you what the dangers answering what the dangers are of not engaging so i'm going to give you these two examples uh, a participant in a restorative session wrote as sort of their uh, final comments after the session was as empty as i feel i no longer feel alone and another person wrote, I feel a sense of worth. So now imagine if those two people, just two that have come to a restorative session were not engaged in restorative work. Now we know that they're coming into work every day, feeling empty, feeling alone, lacking that sense of worth. So we know that people are, Especially if they're feeling, as Sam was saying, alone and trying to find that pathway of connection, that we see a more disengaged workforce, people who feel burned out and are having a hard time identifying why that feels so dark and alone for them. And, and we know that you have greater staff turnover when, when people are feeling alone, rudderless, and mm. ask themselves, why should I keep trying? Why should I keep doing this work when uh, I'm uncertain leadership cares?
2: I just want to add one thing to that really valuable, those, those statements managers 33% of them in the past 5 years have left their workplace because of their mental health. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there are very there are metrics that we have for this. There's also the reality that if there's meaningful engagement, if I listen to somebody, I am making the statement that they matter, that they exist, that they're important to the organization. And so, Mm -hmm. especially within COVID, how much that that has not happened, especially in person. Mm -hmm. As much as all of these virtual options are available to us, that there is something unique about being with that person and being able to talk with them. So the the dangers are vast Mm -hmm. uh, in this regard.
0: So I gotta ask: Is this something that companies could or should do on their own, or is sort of a third-party guidance model preferred here?
2: With this restorative work, I, I another metaphor I liken it to salt. It's just it's good on everything. You can put it on eggs, steak. It's it's good on anything. <laughs> and so, um, so in terms of of you know, outside preference or doing this on their own, obviously we, it is important for organizations to, to meaningfully engage their employees and listen to them. It is one of the biggest cautionary flags that in general, but also when people, when employees are leaving that organizations do not listen to their employees Mm -hmm. about what's going on. Mm -hmm. That is, I just, my, the hairs on the back of my neck go berserk when when that doesn't happen and so because it because there's there's an ostrich effect there's just minimizing the negative information that's coming in and so there's a great benefit of organizations doing that in general but also having an unbiased group come in and and also creating an atmosphere with employees that we're going to take this session and know that that we're stepping in as an object, objective third party, and that there's a degree of confidentiality that that helps to really kind of start the engine and get the car moving. We're very in favor of organizations improving, engaging with their employees, and carrying these things into their into their employment to create healthier environments and things like that. What 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 is worrisome? Uh, there's recent research on this that. It was something like 90% of leadership in HR believe that in in the pandemic, they provide sufficient resources as it relates to well-being for their employees. And that that is, I think that is misguided if we look at what the employee experience is.
0: Interesting. All right, Sam Carroll, I'm going to take a sponsorship break right now. When we return, I want to get into the specifics about the process of restorative work. So stay right there.
3: Are you confident that your supervisors know how to support your company's direct connection with employees? Even when you have the best intentions, and especially if your company is successful, unions may target your employees. How can you make sure that your managers and supervisors know how to support your union free operating philosophy in a positive way? Labor Wise Leadership e learning will give your frontline leaders the training they need anywhere anytime on any device. With interactive elements including videos, quizzes, and downloadable transcripts, Labor Wise Leadership's curriculum covers all aspects of meeting employee needs while remaining union-free. Better still, you'll have the peace of mind that comes from knowing your leaders are well-trained and would never violate employee rights. Learn more and get a free demo or trial of LaborWise Leadership e-learning today at LaborWiseLeadership.com. I'm back here on
0: Project HR with Carol Hutchins, Labor Communications and Organizational Development Consultant, and Sam Hutchins, Organizational Development Consultant, both with IRI Consultants. So tell me, why do we need restoration after something like a labor event?
1: So when you have events leading up to a petition or a union campaign or even an election, these are events that can cause people to take sides, and many times people will dig their heels in when they're pushed. Mm. And in this adversarial process, uh, many times relationships can get fractured, and their connection and trust in one another suffers greatly mm. so the restorative process can help address those issues and also just provide that opportunity to restore their trust and build back sort of what was once a uh, respectful working relationship. I think, uh, as I like to cite examples of people who have participated in our sessions, is one person identified it as mind-shifting. So Mm -hmm. it, it acknowledges that something happened and that they want to start to figure out how to restore that and a good beginning is to just shift how people look at it and also just feeling great freedom to figure out that pathway to restore the relationship and the connection that they have with one another, recognizing that it might not ever go back to what it was. However, there can be really good progress made that allows people to work side by side in a respectful way.
0: So typically, who do we want to involve in this restoration process? Is it just our our leaders and then that kind of filters down or who do we involve
2: in this process? There's definitely a essential nature to have senior leadership go through this process. So we've, especially in the course of the past two years, there's been a lot of discussion about the experiences of employees trying to understand that better and rightfully so. One of the things that has been a repercussion of the events over the past two years is that senior leadership also feels incredibly isolated. Mm. So, a lot of times at the beginning of the pandemic, many of them were, were working and making decisions in isolation. And so just in terms of their own experience, they're in, they're in need of this in, in some of the same ways that employees are also in need of this um, this, this process. Also, if we're kind of speaking more to like particular crisis events within an organization, obviously those who have been more affected by those changes or events hmm. are, are the ones who, who should really be brought into this process. I, th- I think for the, for the work that we do, uh, we do try to keep it at the peer level. And so that, that's a great benefit. That managers can speak to other managers, so that there's a level of comfort of what they can share. If you have a manager and an employee going through this process together, that can that can create some issues of just of, of vulnerability, that ability to kind of talk through the difficulty of their experience in their position.
1: One of the Things that's helpful is even in these peer-to-peer sessions, even if somebody hasn't felt that they've suffered a lot, one of the things that happens is this ability to feel compassionate for their peers and to connect with them in ways that might not happen in a course of their day and so often that's one of the things that people will identify at the end is that they grew their compassion for their peers and and how they've suffered and that's been profound those connections linger long after we've uh, left so it's yeah it's been beneficial
0: So obviously a a lot of positives, a lot of um, eye-opening epiphanies happening. So is restoration typically something that needs to be mandatory or can we tell people, you know, participate as you like and and come if you want to?
2: I'll answer your question with a question. So the question is what employees or leadership do you know at the moment who are too connected to the people that they work with? They have Mm -hmm. too many meaningful Mm -hmm. relationships in in their workplace. And so we we know intuitively that it changes the way people work to have these meaningful relationships i, I think the a, a good way of understanding whether this should be a mandatory process is what is the what is the depth of the crisis that is mm-hmm. going on hmm. so we've been everybody's been subjected to the pandemic the this crisis that has impacted Everyone's life in, mm-hmm. in some form or fashion, and so mm-hmm. obviously there's a degree where it would seem like this is there, there's some mandatory nature of everybody going through this process. But in terms of specific workforces, it, it is a depending on what has happened within the workforce would would lean the response one way or the other in terms of voluntary or mandatory.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. So in general, how is the restorative process carried out? Is there like a step one, step two, step three? How does this work?
1: There is. The most important thing starting out is getting buy-in from senior leadership. Mm -hmm. It's important that they both understand the process and are willing to support it. It's incredibly beneficial when they agree up front to participate in a restorative session. It, It allows them to understand the value of it and then also be able to engage in conversation with their staff then it's important to look at the groups that are most impacted from whatever the event is and bring them together in smaller groups so that they have that opportunity to tell their stories, to listen to one another, to build their compassion and, and to start looking at ways of healing and feeling more engaged in their organization. So then what signals the end of the restoration process?
2: Yeah, I think it's best to kind of split this into formal and informal processes. So the the formal work of restoration is a lot of times it's centered around a crisis, and so that is that is bringing people together, allotting specific time that we intentionally engage in dialogue with with employees, and so that that being the very formal and that there are several sessions to that that formal process. So a good indicator of signaling a conclusion to the formal process is that there are these informal processes that are starting to take life within the organization. So the sense that, that peers at different levels are supporting one another, are engaging with one another. There's more meaningful dialogue between leaders and their employees Mm -hmm. that Employees' voices have an ear within their leaders, and their leaders are are responding in ways that are attuned to their employees. Those are really those are good signals in terms of kind of of concluding that formal process yeah, of, for of sure. restoration.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's really insightful. Now, is there a time limit for restoration to begin? Like, is there such a thing as waiting too long after an event occurs?
2: I think a lot in metaphors. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I think of an, uh, analogy to an illness. And so if we think of a crisis within an organization, when, when is a good time to address a, an illness that that's happening? Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, if, if I have a, or, or an injury or something, if I, like I, I broke my pinky toe one time. And so if I can leave that and try to walk around and navigate life, but whenever I address it, that's the best time to do so. Mm -hmm. And, and we know the reality is, is we know people, people can carry workplace issues for decades, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: for decades. Sure. and and so in, in the sense there's no waiting too long because people have a capacity to hold on to things for decades mm-hmm. right right or wrong that people have that capacity but there is such a benefit of of beginning of initiating this process especially what's what's ha- what's taking place after the past 2 years
0: yeah that makes perfect sense we all need we all need a little salt on our watermelon right yeah. <laughs> salt on everything <laughs> so we might as well go. yeah
2: yeah <laughs> and
1: jen if i could add one One more thing to that. To Sam's point, we know people can hang on to things for decades. And when that happens, there is a chance that you're increasing your union risk and vulnerability. So when we have people, I think often of an organization who gave all of their employees turkeys at Christmas time. And It was a big hit. And then they decided as a financial decision that they were no longer going to provide, uh, as they called them, Christmas turkeys. And they ended it without a lot of explanation. And 10 years later, I was on site in a union campaign. And one of the first things people identified as the thing that they disliked was the fact that they no longer got Christmas turkeys. And Hmm. it was 10 years later. Hmm. And so We know that in this restorative process, while it does help with whatever the illness is within that organization, we also know that when we can work through some of those long-held negative feelings, that uh, we can start to reduce the union risk and vulnerability Mm -hmm. that the organization might have.
2: Can I piggyback off of that? Sure. I, I, also, so there is also the converse of people can hold on to things for such a long time, and it is remarkable that people can lay down those things in less than two hours. Mm-hmm. Like the the opposite is also true, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable. I I I even think of in the past two weeks, I had an hour long conversation with somebody, and in that conversation really built a level of trust with them and were able to process things. So they're they're so I want to end <laughs> or kind of come to a conclusion on an optimistic note that people can do some remarkable things in a brief period of time with some intentional focus.
1: And I'll I'll add one more thing <laughs> to that <laughs> is that when people are asked at the end to just do some reflection and write their thoughts of what they experienced in the last two hours of their life. After the second session, there are so many notes of gratitude to senior leadership for providing this opportunity Mm -hmm. and that they look at it as senior leadership saying, we care. We care how you feel. We care how that impacts your work. And we want to make sure that we're providing this opportunity for you to do some restorative work and to connect with one another and to diminish that sense of aloneness. Mm -hmm. So that too has that powerful effect on them personally, and then also the way they perceive their organization and senior leadership. That makes sense. Even if it's just a turkey, we need to talk about it, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Sam, Carol, I'm going to take some time out for another quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Project HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Oroquois, and my guests today are Carol Hutchins, Labor, Communications, and Organizational Development Consultant, and Sam Hutchins, Organizational Development Consultant, both with IRI Consultants. And we are back. So earlier you discussed the benefits of third party guidance throughout these processes. And this is one of the services that IRI Consultants offers to clients. Can you tell us a little bit more about how IRI can help?
1: Absolutely, and I'll answer that question by telling you what the results have been. At the end of these sessions, as I mentioned before, we give people a blank piece of paper and say, write whatever you want about what you've experienced and how this has impacted you. 100% of the comments that are made and the results is that this has been life-changing and that they have felt clarity about the kind of work they need to do themselves, whether that's improving their self-care, whether that's about increasing their connection with others, whether it's even potentially needing to seek professional help, the clarity has been what's been really important for them. And secondly, when they come back for another session, it then adds another layer to both understanding what it feels like to work at an organization today and what their connection has been like in the past and what it feels like, and then they start adding skills and strategies. So if somebody, for example, feels that they've become more isolated and less connected, we talk about the specifics of what would it take for you to feel more engaged and what are the obstacles to that and where do you need to get support uh, for the work that you want to do on connection, self care is a is a very big issue. We know that uh, people have diminished their self care for for many folks, and so even just being mindful about what they can do while they're at work, whether it's stepping away for fifteen minutes and getting that walk outside. Or I have one participant who is an artist and she committed to bringing some of her artwork to her desk and she sets an alarm and she spends 15 minutes. Uh, doing some art and hmm. painting and and feeling engaged in that and a sense of joy so that when she returns back to work, uh, she comes from a place that feels more renewed. So we know that the results have been of great benefit to organizations and that the uh, there is that pathway to expanding it to a larger part of their organization because of the positivity and the re-engagement that people feel in their job. Yeah, that's
0: brilliant. So if um, our audience wants to find out more about you, about your work, or about IRI Consultants, where should we go?
1: You can go on to our website, which is iriconsultants.com all right so um all of the
0: links to everything that we've discussed are going to be included in this episode's companion guide so be sure to unlock that today at projectionsinc.com podcast right now though carol sam it is time for our lightning round questions these are questions i like to ask of every guest of the podcast are you ready absolutely i hope so All right. So our first question is always a topic showdown. In this episode, we've been talking about restoration. So in your opinion, this is for both of you, what skill is more important to successful restorative work, the ability to listen or the ability to compromise?
1: Sam, you go first.
0: Uh,
2: I I feel like we should be pretty aligned on this. You know, um, the ability to listen, it it has to be, it's it's central, uh, I think, to the work.
1: Yeah, and I'll just add to that, listen with acceptance. So there's great value in coming in, as I say, empty-handed and open-hearted to -hmm. do this work and the ability to listen from that place. Perfect, all right. Next
0: question, what is the best book you've read recently?
2: Um, I've been reading through crucial conversations there's a more recent edition of it it's been really helpful
1: and I've been rereading dare to lead by brene brown yeah, i think one of, my of the yeah and yeah. i love i love the quote in there i just came across it again yesterday here this is this is what uh, is quoted in the book in the past jobs were about muscles now they're about brains and in the future they'll be about heart art. Hmm. Powerful.
0: Yes, very much so. All right, next question. What is your favorite thing about the work that you do?
1: So so right now, the favorite thing about the work I do is being able to work side by side with Sam. That's, <laughs> nice. <that's>... nice.
2: <laughs> um, I, I, I have my answer, but uh, uh, people. Uh, there are just really some phenomenal people out there Um, Some of them are phenomenally frustrating, uh, myself included, Uh but really, really the people.
0: All right. Excellent. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: So, years ago, in my 20s, I was a secretary at an insurance company, and uh, I'd had a bit of a jaded college career at that point, and there was an insurance agent by the name of Bob Hackett, and I walked into his office one day to give him papers, and he looked at me and he said, Carol, what are you doing with your life? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you don't have a college degree, right? And I said, not yet. (laughs) And he said, you know, it's not important that you have it, it's important that you don't. And that was what got me back into college and set me up for success. Interesting.
0: Sam, what about you? What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
2: Uh, I'm indebted to a former professor, uh, Alan Ross. Um, he, he told us that um, we should not listen to the absolute worst things people say about us, and we shouldn't listen to the absolute best things people say about us. That we're probably more accurately somewhere between the two of those.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, last question. Who or what
1: inspires you? For me, it's the people who show up for a session and are willing to tell their story.
2: Uh, similarly, I, I uh, redemptive stories, I, I that redemptive arc from, from brokenness to wholeness, from uh, you know ashes to wholeness. The, those stories are are deeply inspirational. Nice for sure.
0: Carol, Sam, thank you so much for joining me today on this week's episode of Project HR. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thanks too to our listeners. Once again, this is your reminder to grab the companion guide for this episode at projectionsinc.com slash podcast. If you'd like to be on Project HR, or you know someone who would, feel free to email us, projecthr at projectionsinc.com. And last, but certainly not least, remember that a new Project HR drops every Thursday. Make sure you never miss an episode of Project HR by subscribing to the podcast. Drop us a line, leave us a review, or give us a handful of stars wherever you get your content. That's it for me for now. Let's make it a great day at work.